For the final time, a square number. Oh. That's right. We're Riverdale Recap Podcast, here to talk about chapter 11 squared, Love and Marriage, written by Chrissy Maroon and directed by Claudia Yarmy. Yarmy? Are you a member of the Yarmy Army? <laughs> I keep my Yarmies in my sleeveys. <laughs> Is that like, that's like some weird, like, knitting thing. Your Yarmy? Yeah, instead of a yarny, yeah, it's yarmy. like a 3D printed aid to keep your oh. your yard your your yarn straight as it unwinds off the the spool. Oh, yeah, and it's got a little <gasps> smiley face printed <gasps> That's into it. That's what they. So there are like little like things you can do where you stick your yarn on it and then it spins. So like it, mm-hmm. it's like a stand. That's what they should call it. A yarmy. But it, it's an arm. It's got to actually look like an, it's a little person body uh-huh, with uh-huh. an arm sticking out. So it's a Yarmy. Hey, Claudia, get in on this. That'd be so cute. I would fucking buy that. That'd be great. Oh, they should be movable arms. <laughs> so it's me like doing different poses, kind of like the little, the little body sketch thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yarn. You immediately go to like murder victim chalk outline, which is appropriate. What? Because I this didn't episode go to murder start- chalk. I went, I went to like the little like the posable body you use for like oh. sketching not dead body you just think the worst of me at all <laughs> times i do not think the worst of you i think the most morbid of you i mean if i ever brought home chalk you'd know why because <laughs> <laughs> you've been investigating mordors maybe i'm planning to outline your own body you think i'm going to be mordored you never know <laughs> life's crazy now you sound like a Chicago Tribune opinion piece. <laughs> I'll throw you in the river. We'll keep up with the trend of bodies being found in the river and the lake. Where, what bodies do we find in the first scene of this episode? And what are they doing there? <laughs> the answer is Jughead. Jughead. Well, I was trying to remember who else was here. I remembered it was Jughead, but then I was like, wait. So, <laughs> J- Jughead... Opens us up mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, things are very dire. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his friend's parents, you know, were murdered. They're prime suspects. And we cut back to him and Ethel being uh, uh, interrogated by Sheriff Keller and the principal. And Dr. Werther's. And Dr. Werther's. Who are all like, why were you hiding these images? Why was this under your mattress? If you're not guilty, why, why, why? Mm-hmm. The effort to hide uh, possible incriminating evidence has made it only look all the more incriminating. It's made it look like actual evidence. Yes. And Jughead, though, uh, has read enough things to know we should not be talking without a lawyer. So stop talking, Ethel. Yet again, I must remind the listener that the rights of the accused Jughead believes he has are the result of Supreme Court decisions that have not yet happened. You know, there's this whole thing about time travel where you know things, but you don't know they don't fit into the time frame. So these are just echoes, fragments of memories that that missed the the amnesia kiss. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it's just there 
just there. He thinks it should exist in this world. Tabitha couldn't bring herself to smooch away the, the remaining memories of the Warren court. So important are they to, to her perspective in life. Well, they didn't have enough time to kiss that much. <laughs> Uh, so Sheriff Keller's like, oh, well, maybe they'll be more talkative down at the station, so let's take them in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they are being let out of school, and Veronica sees this and is like, what the fuck? In the locker room, mm -hmm. uh, Julian confronts Archie, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? Why are you taking advantage of my sister? And Archie's like, you told me to. <laughs> The first thing he says is, where do you get off, Andrews? And apparently the answer is, inside Cheryl. <laughs> that one was for you, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so Archie's like, but you encouraged me to fuck your sister. And I, I didn't. I'm not going to say that, but like, well, he does. He's like, we didn't go all the way. We just like kissed. But Cheryl is telling everyone who listened that they did indeed go all the way. Uh, so Archie grabs her and takes her to the music room and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Except, you know, in a swell way, because he doesn't say that. No, no, you can't You can't say those things on broadcast TV. You can say bonkers. Yeah. Someone drops bonkers later this week. Uh, so he's like, why did you tell everyone we went to third base? And Home run, all is more like well, it. Well, yeah, home run. She's like. They, but they barely made it to second in reality. And, but she is like, you know, you Bella Lugosied my neck. <laughs> so uh, this this beauty mark. Mm -hmm. And so what it comes down to, though, she's like, I can't explain this. I can't explain why I'm saying this, but just know you're helping me. I'm in trouble. And this is the best way to protect me from my family is if everyone thinks I'm a filthy skank. Can you help? Please, Archie. And like, it's just a white lie. What could happen from this? And yeah, the the way to make Archie do anything is to say that is to say that he's helping protect you. Yes. He is your knight in shining armor and he will swoon at this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And agree to everything. So, if my theory now is yeah. is that uh someone uh told Archie that he was protecting them by killing Ethel's parents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he did the murders. It's just a little white murder. And you're protecting me, Archie. And he's like, okay, swell. Okay, fine. And I can't tell anybody. No, 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 no. Uh, so outside, we learn that it is the dead of winter. <laughs> All of a sudden. <laughs> there is snow. There is breath in the air. It is cold. They used to try to time the seasons to when things would air. They stopped doing that. <laughs> they also don't know when maple syrup is, like, ready. So, you know... <laughs> Can't hold it against there, them. There is at like like the very there there is around two thirds of the way through this episode the clearest sign that Riverdale does not take place in the universe as we know it. I'm so excited to get there. Uh, so so Kevin is returning the sex book to Betty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and she's like, "Wow, you read that fast!" And like, did you learn something from it? And he's like, well, I think I know what you want now. There's a 26% chance it's biting. <laughs> and he's like, I want to wait till marriage. So Betty dumps his ass. She's like, fuck that. You don't, you can't be the only one who gets to decide what we do in this relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
We're like, no longer going steady. The the real stated reason is that she she doesn't want to be in a unilateral relationship. But the final straw, the last unilateral decision is she wants someone to rub up on her yabos. Before she gets married. <laughs> Before the end of the week. The lady's dead. <laughs> you saw last week. She really wants the sex yesterday. <laughs> so, like, let's go. I just like that Kevin's like, I think I understand. <laughs> well, she highlighted a number of passages, made some notes in the margins. Circled it. <laughs> added some stickers, like little stars that mm-hmm, were like, pew, mm-hmm. pew, this. One star for maybe, three stars for please. The biting had five stars. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but after she dumps his ass, uh, she is crying in the locker room, Mm -hmm, being comforted mm -hmm. by Tony. By Tony Topaz, the fairy godmother of Riverdale. And and she's like, what happened? And so she's like, we broke up. You know, we were talking about our relationship getting more physical. And Tony's like, ah, you wanted to wait till marriage. She's like, no, he did. (laughs) So I broke up with him. And Tony says... More women should be like you. <laughs> she is hitting on every woman in this school. Like, Cheryl is taking too long. Time to move on. You know, there's other ways you can swing, she, Betty. She literally asks her out. Like, I'm I'm kidding. There's not a romantic vibe to it. But she does set up a coffee date. She's going to comfort her friend. Right. For like friendly, comforting friend advice time. See, but she does set a coffee date. Tony's echoing of the future is remembering she's a school counselor and she needs to solve everyone's problems. That's all she does this week. That's all she does. She remembers. She knows. Jughead's like, you want your lawyer? She's like, help everyone. Help everybody. Got it. She goes above and beyond later. (laughs) This This episode goes very tame places, but it goes there hard. Yes, uh, so Ethel and Jughead are in jail. <laughs> and, and Veronica is visiting. I feel like my point was just proven. <laughs> but it's not like that I'm visiting my my boyfriend in, in jail doing a cheerleading stint. No, no, no. <laughs> she Yes, she is there. She's asking how Ethel's holding up. Uh, like, what's going on? And we learn, like, okay, like, they can only be held for 24 hours or... or you know, they have to be charged. And Jughead's like, man, if only we could prove, like, when her parents died. And uh, Veronica's like, well, isn't there a coroner in this town? And Jughead's like, yeah, but I don't know who it is. And both of us are on the edge of our seat. We're, we're chanting, Colonel, 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 show the boy. And instead, we're going to be highly disappointed. Oh, because there a- is no Colonel. It's a curdle tease. They gave us the old curdle tease. So they had the moment to give me what Dr. Curdle would be. Yeah, I mean, he'd just be like sitting in the back playing a pipe organ as they come in. Oh my God, that would have been amazing. Just go for it. I'm so annoyed by this. Uh, but, but that is the plan. We're going to prove time of death and Jughead has a very public alibi. He was stealing canapes at the sock hop. Uh, and once Jughead is exonerated, then the two of them together can work to spring Ethel. Yeah. But not before they bond yet again over another shared film interest. Oh, yes. The Thin Man. I don't know the Thin Man. The thin, Nick and Nora. 
infinite playlist? (laughs) 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 The Thin Man was a a very popular film that I think got like eight sequels about uh, this this very loving married couple of functional alcoholics that solved murders and other mysteries. So not an infinite playlist. I mean, it seemed like an infinite series. It went on forever and ever. Like, who was... It, it's what really launched Myrna Loy into superstardom. You know Myrna Loy. Do I? You 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 were addicted to TCM. I You knew Myrna Loy. What's she look like? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> look, my problem with names... That fair, 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 fair. Does not, like, stop during certain decades. It continues. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, that person. Ho- Hollywood's number one housewife, Myrna Loy. Uh, so Archie goes home mm-hmm. uh, and encounters a very pissed off mom. <laughs> His own mom, to be clear. Who is like, Mrs. Blossom was just here and like, what the fuck, Archie? Did you fuck? <laughs> And Archie, in order to protect Cheryl from mystery threats, says, Yeah? I'm not comfortable discussing this with you. I'd rather not say, Mom. And she's like, you think I want to talk about this with you? (laughs) And so he's instructed to change into a suit because they are going to dinner at the Blossoms. Does Mary think Cheryl is pregnant? Because this plot makes so much more sense if Mary thinks Cheryl is pregnant. I think it's more like there's the chance it could be. And if you're sleeping around, I mean, first off, there's in this time frame. I think this- she needs to read the book. Yeah. Yes. It's it's less than 100% chance. She seems to really be putting all of her, uh, uh, her, her future daughter-in-law's eggs in one basket. They don't know how many times they fucked. <laughs> It was one party. They don't know that. <laughs> they could have thought it like you can get busy back to back. I'm just saying like Archie's a young spry boy. I, they were mostly doing front to front, but you know, they're kids. They'll learn. They don't know. <laughs> they're not exactly openly discussing like how many times. Just saying. So so at that dinner, uh, the, the table is full. It's an awkward dinner scene. You must love it. I do love an awkward... I've seen more awkward dinner scenes. There's not yeah. enough pauses. An awkward dinner scene is made in the silences. And then someone saying, eat your fish, bitch. Or s- something that on the page reads very benign, but it's said very tense. Yeah. And then there's a pause. And then someone says, mmm, the, the ham you made is lovely. And I got a truth to tell. <laughs> Love August Osage County so much. But the, the reason there's so much uh, discussion and debate at the table is because Mayor Clifford Blossom has arrived back home from a trip to Washington. Yes. And he has come home to find their town asunder. Is that what he said? There's something weird. Their town's all messed up, though. The young people are in crisis. There's also murder. Murders. There's murders. There's murder. <laughs> and he's like, hey. So tell me, Archie, what do you think of the Russian problem? This is after he casually drops that he's on first name basis with uh, uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy. Yeah. He calls him Old Joe. But Archie's reply to the Russian problem is, um... uh, There sure is one. And it's a big one. Russia is a big, massive problem. Yeah. (laughs) 
I thought he was going to say a big country. <laughs> he was definitely going to say a big country. But then he caught Cheryl just like making urgent uh, eyes at uh, him. Come, agree. Agree. <laughs> now, Archie Andrews, whose father was killed in action in Korea. Uh-huh. Seems to have never thought about the USSR before this moment in his life. He has not, no. <laughs> he actually didn't even know it was a place until this conversation. <laughs> he thought it was made up. A far off land. Like, I, I know. Like, Neverland. I know that the version that Archie, I might expect to parrot, is not an a accurate uh, representation of history. Everybody listen to Blowback Season 3, all about Korea and the Korean War. But <laughs> I would ex- still expect him to have those ideas. Archie's a simple boy. He's incredibly simple. So his answer, though, is very much what Clifford wanted. He's like, ah, yes, smart boy, reminds me of your father. <laughs> he also hated those Russians. <laughs> he was also aware of those Russians. <laughs> Which this is enough that uh, Clifford's like, after dinner, Mary, we should join to my study. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which leaves the youths to, to uh, canoodle outside, talk about how dinner went uh, on the little bridge over the frozen pond at Thornhill. Where uh, they talk about Fred and how Archie misses him mm-hmm. and how they used to go to the movies every Friday and then pops and they would like see the westerns and they you know they used to talk about being cowboys. Archie talks about cowboys a lot. He's like always thinking about cowboys. I'm just waiting for him to say he wants to go to Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah. Were you expecting me to start singing about Santa Fe? There's two songs out there that you could have sang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can never choose. You can never choose. It's actually not a hard choice. (laughs) Archie can't open up a restaurant. I wouldn't trust him. Uh, So they smooch. They have their first real kiss. Yes. Like Cheryl is honestly moved by by his his down home, uh, simple boy next door charms. And is like, yes, I will romantically smooch this boy for my own sake now. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice. And the camera pulls out to reveal that frozen pond. And it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. It, it does. This is when you know it's really fucking cold out. This is why I'm in the Yarmy Army. So, uh, over at the dark room, uh, Tony is taking Betty for that coffee. And Mm -hmm. as they walk in, Tony sees Kevin slow dancing all over Clay. And is like, um, Betty, maybe we should go back up these stairs. (laughs) Betty's like, what? Why? And then she sees. I love the way that Kevin and Clay are, uh, uh, slow dancing with each other. You know those, like, caution floor wet signs? The little yellow plastic things? Yeah. They look like that. They're just all wrapped up in each other. They are each resting their head entirely on the other's shoulder. Uh, yeah. They're having a really nice time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Betty's not. <laughs> Betty is a little surprised, a little taken so aback. So she leaves. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Veronica has gone to Sheriff Keller and is like, well, according to this death certificate that I got from the coroner that's not Dr. Curdle and we're not oh, going to show you him. The Curdle tease is revealed and I am so frustrated. 
fucking bullshit. I'm a conscientious objector from the Yarmy Army. He better have been doing something really great for y'all <laughs> not to get him on this episode. They had two curdles to choose from. God damn it. Uh, according to the report, though, the the parents died when Jughead was at the dance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jughead is released, as the plan was. But, like, Sheriff Keller's taking too long, and Veronica's like, well, is it just gonna unlock itself? Because I'm a very busy teenager. <laughs> I have, like, murders to go investigate and stuff. <laughs> Look, I've, I'm getting a weird itch to found at least three small businesses. <laughs> I've got to go. And to take on... The mob. There's there's this weird repressed memory just oozing back up from my subconscious. And like something about making my own alcohol? <laughs> I need to be the she-wolf of something. Don't make me explain that. I can't. I don't know what a she-wolf is, but I think I should do it. <laughs> uh, so Jughead gets released and he and Veronica go to Pops for celebratory burger and milkshake. Mm-hmm. But it's also a business meeting. Yes. Because Jughead has some new information that he uh, was shared uh, uh, in confidence by by Ethel. Specifically what she was doing at the time of, of death. Yes. She was doing the car seat cha-cha with Julian Blossom. Of all people. And so apparently she was waiting at a bus stop to mm-hmm. get picked up to go to the dance. But then Julian drove by and offered her a ride. But instead of taking her to the dance, he took her to Lover's Lane. And, and like, at first she was down with it, but then he got too handsy. So she, like, slapped him and left. And he threatened her. He threatened her that if she told anyone, he, he would say that it was all her idea and she's a nymphomaniac. And now she's accused of murder, which is worse. She still won't come forward publicly. Yeah. Jughead's like, I think we should talk to him at school tomorrow. It, it It's up to Julian to do the honorable thing. Yes. God help us. That's not going to go over <laughs> well because he's a fucking blossom. <laughs> not planning on it actually happening, but we're going to try. This is also when Betty gets where she's going uh, after her not quite coffee time. Yes. So she comes home. Uh, and Alice, of course, is all like, where have you been? Because Mrs. Keller gave her a call. She's like, did you break up with Kevin? Like, why would you do that? He's devastated. He's crying his eyes out. <laughs> and Betty's like, he is fine. Trust me. He found a shoulder to cry on. A male shoulder. He's uh, into boys. A very manly one. <laughs> like, this explains everything. It's why he wouldn't touch my boobs. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Betty, nice job outing Kevin to literally the town gossip. Yeah, seriously, what the fuck? I am anticipating this not staying a secret for very long. I get it. This Betty hasn't seen how bad this Alice can be. Maybe this Alice isn't so bad. But, you know, just gossiping definitely seems within her whole thing. Even if uh, uh, our previous Alice's, you know, various crimes might be outside her, her reach. I, I mean, Betty's upset. Upset people make mistakes. This is a huge mistake. Yeah. But Alice, like, also is not um, concerned about Kevin's sexuality no. in the sense you think it would be because she's like... It's just a phase. Oh, it's just a sexual identity, like, phase. Like, eventually he'll come around. You guys will get married. Quote, carnal passions like that, it never lasts. It's fine. It's fine. Everybody's been a little gay sometimes. I was gay. 
You were gay. We were all gay. The bucket list. The bucket list. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. It's so good. Alice is also like, well, you know, you guys were together for two years. Like, don't you think you owe it to him to help him through this and like ungayify him? Maybe if you like just went and had sex. Alice's uh, uh, proposal is that it is Betty's job, her sacred duty, to convert Kevin back to the winning team. Alice must love Kevin so much. She is so invested in in this this boy becoming like her lawfully wedded son-in-law. Yes. Why? Is, is it because he's just so non-threatening? Alice really likes show tunes. <laughs> If they don't do Showboat for this year's uh, uh, musical, I'll be so upset. Yeah. Or like South Pacific or something. (laughs) So uh, Jughead goes home to his train car and finds it completely torn apart from Mm -hmm. when the cops were there. And Hot Dog has been kidnapped. Hot Dog is not there. And he's like, where did they take you? Where's my best friend? Mm -hmm. It's very concerning. Mary and Archie get home from the dinner. It went well and poorly in equal measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what has been decided is that, like, there, there is a plan in place for these two families to, to uh, weather the tide of, of sexual improprieties. With them getting married. <laughs> yes. Even though they both hate each other very much. Yes. <laughs> Mary hates the Blossoms so much. Yeah, because Archie's like, oh, they said some nice things about dad. And he, she's like, that fucking Clifford Bo- Blossom. He's a war profiteer and a draft dodger. You shut your slutty, slutty mouth, son. And Archie's like, war profiteer? What are you talking about? And she's like, you know, he sold maple syrup to the army for a profit during the Korean War. That motherfucker. <laughs> that much maple syrup <laughs> what were they doing with it Feeding was the troops. is this just like another term for drugs no <laughs> like was he really like selling yeah. them like speed or something he, yeah, to like he, keep he was them supplying going? the amphetamines in the mre yeah, yeah so yeah. they were just you know i'm thinking that's what this is but but you don't rush into a marriage in your junior year of high school. No. You talk to the school guidance counselor to take his patented compatibility test first. Obviously. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And uh, if you're old enough to do what you did, you're old enough to get married. <laughs> what? What? Archie, it's fine. Don't worry. You failed every other test you've taken in your life. Why would this one be any different? <laughs> They don't make him read it. That's why <laughs> That's it's different. What it, <laughs> it, it would have been a written test. If it was a written exam, this thing would all be done and dusted. <laughs> Dr. Werther's would be like, we cannot allow this no, boy. We no. can't allow this boy to remain in high school. You got. I think he needs to go back to sixth grade. Son, we've got a Billy Madison you. None of us know what that means. There, there's a weird tickle in the back of my brain. <laughs> Uh, so the next day at school, <laughs> uh, Fangs and Midge are chatting, and um, I told you, I told you what was happening in that makeout party. M- Midge is a little late. Oh, late to school? You mean? No, she, she's tardy. No, Midge is probably knocked up. 
Mm, uh, but nobody knows what Knocked Up is. That movie didn't come out before 1955. But Fangs is like, don't worry, we're gonna figure this out. I love you. Mm, and it's just them like being there. Okay, I will, like I will take Fangs being in this relationship. Mm-hmm. This is a much better relationship than like Fangs and Tony, <laughs> and it's one scene. <laughs> Well, I mean, Fangs and Tony was an interesting relationship in the way it was bad. And that they were staying together for the kids before there was even a kid. It was so weird. It was very weird. It was... And then there was a kid. And then there was a 20-year-old man. <laughs> and it just, like, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> and, like, this one I can at least be like, okay, yeah, like, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, Fang. Fang swings both ways, and is, this is what it is. And it, there's not, like, this weird, like, past relationship that we're snapping out of, and suddenly we're... It helps to see a beginning. That is yeah. that is for sure. Yeah, it makes a difference. Inside the school, uh, Jughead and Veronica go up to Julian and are like, Hey, we know you were with Ethel before the dance. And he's like, No, I'm not. And Veronica's like, You suck at lying. <laughs> but a blossom... Could, could never have any sort of relations with one of those, you know. He doesn't say what he means, and I'm very curious. Is the Blossom family motto no uggos, but in, like, Latin, I guess? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is it because she's broke, or is it because she's the only plus-size person in the entire cast? And the thing is, is she's, like, not even plus-size. <laughs> <laughs> she's just, like, a large. <laughs> but... It, it, probably both. Marilyn Monroe was a size eight or whatever. <laughs> Sizes were different back then. Well, that's the, the, they used to say she was a size 14, but she that was really like a size eight back then. Yeah. Or what a size comparative to a size eight now. It's not what a 14 mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, know, who, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But, um, you know, he also goes on about how like, he, you know, he was there for like the cheap thrills of it. Mm-hmm. And Jughead punches the shit out of him. Just knocks him straight down on the ground because he's so pent up with dog frustrations. They stole his boy. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. You're rich. You're entitled. You take advantage of people. You're going to do the right thing for the first time in your damn life or I'm going <laughs> to pummel you more. And the eyes that Veronica is making at Jughead as he asserts his alpha dominance. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, this works because uh, Julian uh, makes a statement to the sheriff and clears Ethel and mm-hmm. she's free to go. Yay. With an adult that signs her out, which is what the Coopers are going to do. Yes. The, the Coopers are once again taking charge of, of this poor orphan. She's been orphaned. We need to pay attention to this. So uh, it is time for the test, the compatibility test. Cupid's checklist. It has three questions. It's not that hard of a test. No. No. It's not that extensive of it. The, the questions are, are you of similar background? And, and Cheryl says, we are very white. We come from barons and baronesses. And Archie's like, well, my dad used to talk about Grandpa Artie surviving the Dust Bowl. Barely surviving the Dust Bowl. Which... Was 30 years ago. 20. 20 years ago. 20? Yeah, 20. Uh, the, the dry years began in the summer of 1930. It's right on the edge there. <laughs> right on the edge. Like, I wasn't thinking like 1921. I was thinking like 1928. 
In, in any case, if Grandpa Artie nearly, like, starved to death through the mid-30s... So did Fred. That If we're assuming the same actor would have played Fred in this timeline, mm-hmm. Fred was a grown man. <laughs> this is not something that happened to Grandpa Artie. This is something that happened to Dad. It's a little weird. A little weird with the timeline of uh, what it is. And then there what was the next question? The second question is whether they are close friends. How close are we talking? Real close or Cheryl's lie close? Yeah, like what? What are you getting at here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Archie's answer is that he's friends with everybody, and Doctor Werther's is like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and the third question is, do you understand the concept of marriage? And they're both like, what? Neither of them say anything they're both just very confused and uncomfortable and don't really know how to answer like what are you what are you getting at old man and then he just gives a short lecture on you know uh, uh upholding the duties of each of you in this very gendered idea of like mid-century nuclear family marriage like you know archie you're gonna want to fuck everyone but you gotta remain faithful and only fuck your wife and, and hey, Cheryl, it's your responsibility to feed him dinner so he doesn't go fuck anyone else. <laughs> and and they continue to be very confused and awkward and absorbing this. And uh, Dr. Werther's takes this as a positive result. It gives them the rubber stamp. Yep. <laughs> I don't think this test is very good. <laughs> I see some problems in it. You could at least use a Scantron, make it seem very scientific. <laughs> So uh, he he gives a call mm-hmm. um, to Penelope, who is having tea with Mary, and is all and she you hear Penelope like, oh, this is such great news, and she goes and tells Mary like, ah, they've like passed. Penelope and- looks like she fell through a theater curtain. <laughs> this dress is so voluminous. <laughs> Mary is not happy about this news. <laughs> she was really counting on her baby boy failing this test. The one time, the one time you get a passing grade, Archie. God damn it. And she's like, you know, this is really uh, surprising because they're so different. And Penelope's like, well, they both have that glorious red hair. Just that's so you, all you need. Just so you know, I'm a big eugenicist, Mary. I am only fine with this because it will keep the genes in the family. <laughs> Usually we marry siblings in the family. But we need to really diversify our gene pool. So this is great. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) elsewhere to get far away from here. Fangs fills Tony in on the fact that Midge is in trouble. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's picking up that euphemism. She knows what's what. Tony's like, okay, here's the deal. We need to confirm this. The three of us are going to meet in the biology lab tonight. That'll give me enough time to collect all the supplies for the test. A midnight break-in pregnancy test. (laughs) Yeah. The last time we saw characters break into school at at midnight to to do something secret, they killed the principal. (laughs) They could do it again. It's on theme. And also, Tony closes out this this scene by turning to, to Fangs and saying, Can you dig it, Big Daddy? He don't want to be a Big Daddy. Like, <laughs> that's a problem. Was the Big Daddy? He's got very, a little in trouble. very concerned about becoming a Big Daddy. Uh, so Kevin's in the music room, mm-hmm. and uh, Betty comes to talk to him, and she's like, Hey, 
I went to the dark room last night. I saw you with Clay. And he's like, oh, we were just like fooling around. It was a joke. We were having a good laugh. And she says, no, you weren't. <laughs> Cut the bullshit, Kev. And so she's like, how, how long has this been going on? And he's like, not long. Last night was the first time after you broke up with me. Mm-hmm. I was crying. Kevin's no cheater. He's just really quick on the rebound. And all he did was cry and dance. He's like, I cried in the locker room. (laughs) He comforted me. We had a dance. It was really nice. And he apologizes to her. And like, he's like, hey, if I would have known this about myself, I would not have wasted your time. And, and she's, Betty's just so sweet and caring and supportive now that she's had a little time. A little time to a process. A little time to, like, feel her, her frustration and, like, c- come around to the reality of the situation. And she, I don't know if she grabs his hand or puts her hand on his her hand on his leg, but she's like, no, like, I'm not going to pretend I understand everything, but it wasn't a waste of time to me. Aww. It's really sweet. It's, that's like the most supportive thing she could possibly say. It's it's, it's nice. It's a wonderful scene of like she, we it, are still friends. Like this is this mm-hmm. is beyond both of us. This um, yeah. yeah, we are definitely not going to be smooch friends. No, but I value that we care about each other in different ways. Yes, yes. Aww. Uh, so over at Pops, uh, Archie and Cheryl are having milkshakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, so I guess it's going to happen. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Andrews, we're getting married. <laughs> and Cheryl's like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and Archie's like, you know, it, this will be great. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get married to you. Like, uh, we'll, I'll get to know you better and get to know myself. Yeah, he, he sees, like, this as the next stage in life. This, what do you do as a young man? You get married. And, and that is part of development. A step in the process of, of self-fulfillment. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, we, we will do this and it will be okay and we'll, we'll go on this journey together. Though, like, something that Archie brings up a lot through this episode is, like, figuring himself out. Yeah. Like, he does not know who he is. No. And that is very, like, clear that he is grasping for whatever situation it can be to, like, learn about himself. <laughs> he he does make the point that, like, walking, you know, life's journey is easier with someone to walk with. Yes. And I feel like that's the most honestly teenage way to look at romance. I'm terrified of the world and I need someone in my corner, please. Yeah. Please. It's it's half that and half Betty's thing. I need to touch a boob. <laughs> Through all of this, their relationship, which is like all for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. there are like really sweet moments. And there's another yes. one here where Sh- Cheryl's like, you know, you wrote, word is you wrote this really sweet poem for Veronica. Like, do you think you could write one for me? She's, she's trying to find... Mm-hmm the connection with him and mm-hmm. the moment and like how if if we're going to be in this shitty ass situation how do we make the best of it and fucking sucks that that's what <laughs> has to happen but there's a friendship that's happening here that will like transcend this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's nice i think they're both really hoping and uh and Archie maybe even expecting a, a fiddle around the roof situation. <laughs> yeah. Where at some point, years down the road, they turn to each other and realize that 
after getting married, they fell in love in a beautiful way. Like, it'll be okay. This has happened for a lot of other people. <laughs> is, is Archie being a poet the 1955 version of acoustic guitar? No, because later he talks about being a folk singer. <laughs> but at this point, I'm just like, okay, where's, where's the leather helmet football team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so also at Pops is Veronica and Jughead. Mm-hmm. And they are drinking milkshakes, mm-hmm. celebrating the small victories and how they make a good team. I think getting your friend sprung from, from uh, jail is not a small victory. That's a really it's good a really victory. really big victory. So Veronica's like, you know, like after dinner, do you want to walk me home? And he's like, oh, I was going to stay here tonight because I don't have a home at the moment. They trashed my train car. Jughead's playing hard to get. Because, like, yeah, not only is he not leaving, uh, he turns down the offer to crash at her place, which is, you know, a big, lavish uh, multi-apartment suite. Uh, He says he's allergic to the silk sheets. And she's like, oh, it's fine. We have Egyptian cotton. (laughs) Just come over. Come over. And eventually he does cave. Come on, hat boy. Let's go. He does not, I don't think, realize how much she wants to jump his bones. <laughs> it's really sweet in its own way. And, like, I don't think he's dodging it for, like, a no, I don't want to. It's, he is oblivious. He's, how oblivious do you have to be to not get Ethel? Like, he is so oblivious. <laughs> and, like, from that point of view, it's just, like, I think he doesn't. I think he's nervous around Veronica. I think yeah. he's nervous around the big city girl, and he doesn't want to owe her a favor. Yes. Yeah. He, he's, but he's, he's worried also, like this is a social trap. Because he does like, well, I feel like he's also trying to figure it out, though. He's like, why are you being nice? To what? Are we friends? Are we? Like, this is cool, but like, I need, I I've never been in a situation like this. I don't know what to do. I need you to slyly reference about three more movies I really like. So meanwhile, over at the school that night, yes. Mitch, Fangs, and Tony are there, and they're like, we're confused. What is all this for? And Tony <laughs> explains that they're going to inject some of Midge's pee into their friend there, Mr. Toad. <laughs> and if she's pregnant, Mr. Toad will lay eggs overnight. Pretty sure that's a Mrs. Toad you got there, Tony. Whatever. <laughs> And uh, Fangs is very concerned about this hurting the frog. And she's like, oh, no, no, it won't. Don't worry. This will be great. I've got Midge's pee in a cup in this bag. (laughs) Let me get to the injecting of the pee. How relieved is Midge right now that she peed in a cup for a reason? (laughs) Why does Tony know this? Also, is this true? Because Tony lives to solve people's problems. Okay. Is this real? Is this an actual thing? (laughs) How are you Googling this? Can a frog tell you if you're pregnant? The frog test is a pregnancy testing method relying on frogs to show the pregnancy status of women. Provided that immunological pregnancy tests were not yet developed before the 1960s, women living a century ago relied on urine-based pregnancy tests using different animals ranging from mice to frogs. Gross. Those poor animals. (laughs) 
So they literally would just inject pee and see if they laid eggs. What would happen to the mice? They don't lay eggs. The Hogbin test, named after the British zoologist Lancelot Hogbin, was one of the most reliable and rapid pregnancy tests from the 40s to the 60s. The urine samples were injected into African clawed frogs. The Hogbin test used female frogs, unlike the Gali Menini test, which uses male frogs. There you go. This is a real period appropriate pregnancy test. Okay, but like, you mentioned mice earlier. How's that work? I don't know. I'm just scrolling this Wikipedia page. What happens with the male frogs? Do they lay eggs too? After making the observation that male frogs or toes generate spermatozoa after long contact with female frogs, the gonadotropic hormone would be secreted from the female's bodies. He realized that the female frogs using Hogman's test could be replaced by South American male frogs or toads. Women's urine could be ejected into the adult male frog's dorsal lymph sac. Uh, the gonadotropic hormone in the urine of pregnant women after injection would lead to the release of sperms from the frogs. Yeah. How long do you have to wait between injecting the frog with the next person? Hmm. Because, like, how many, like, false positives did they get because they didn't wait long enough? You're asking the refractory period of a frog. <laughs> yes! I have questions! Tony would know the answer! Tony would know. Tony knows everything. <laughs> Tony's all in everybody's business, but for the best reasons and with the best results. Why have I never heard of this before? I just love- Why are there no other period pieces from this time where people are like, I'm going to inject my pee in this frog? I just love that in any timeline, Tony will help Fangs have a child. It's going to happen. This is true. <laughs> So, so after the commercial, we cut right back to a huge pile of frog eggs. And Midge is definitely preggers. I think she's got triplets in there. Jesus. And Tony's like, so, as school counselor, uh, do you love each other? And they're like, yes. Okay, Fangs, you're going to clean up. You're going to go ask for her hand in marriage. Uh, See, this is the version of the Archie Cheryl plot that makes sense. But it's also just about, in this time frame, their their reputation. It doesn't matter if she they're even pregnant. Mm-hmm. So are we saying that the, the reason that uh, just having sex is, is triggering this uh, reaction with Cheryl and Archie, that, that Cheryl is a society girl? I mean... She's the daughter of the mayor who's close yeah. personal friends with several senators? Yeah, like it's all about... It mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're even knocked up, you contaminated now no one's else gonna want you <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. you gotta marry the dude she she debuted at cotillion no not yet <laughs> but like it doesn't fucking matter back then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fangs to this uh direction is like there's no fucking way they're gonna give approval <laughs> she's like just go and don't tell him about the butt in the oven like that's not gonna go over well but just give it a go go do it we're not talking about any other things they might want to consider. Right? I was we're like... Not, we're not... We're, we're passing up on the chance to do a dirty dancing plot. Here's... Yeah, here's my thing. I thought this was how we were going to get a Sabrina crossover. <laughs> like, not actually Sabrina, but we were going to go see the aunties over in Greendale uh-huh. who were going to, like, give her some magic herbs that would just take care of that problem. I don't want Dr. Curdle Jr. introduced as like the... The abortion doctor? Yeah, the on, on the down low, slip him 50 bucks, uh, cider house rules situation. 
He could be really good at it. Though. He could, you know, and uh, uh, in this town, I hope he's doing it. But I don't want that to be his first on-screen appearance this season, you know? Oh. I want a different tone setter first. Yeah. So, uh, Jughead has stayed over at Veronica's and he mm-hmm. woke up early and uh, made them breakfast. He made a lot of breakfast. This is a multi-course breakfast. This is enough breakfast for like 10 people. Smithers is eating good later when he cleans the table. Uh, and so Veronica's like, oh, like, how'd you sleep? And she is dressed like a vampire. She is. <laughs> He's like, oh, like a log. You know, I feel a little like Orphan Annie. Veronica's like, what's that make me? Daddy Warbucks, obviously. You're bald. (laughs) There's no way those bangs are real. That's a wig. And she's like, well, should we walk to school together? And he's like, actually, I'm going to skip because I need to go get hot dog out of the pound. And then I need to go fix my home, which was destroyed. (laughs) And she's like, well. I'll skip two, you get hot dog, I'll go take care of your home. Veronica Lodge, freelance house cleaner. And he's like, okay. (laughs) This is so bizarre. (laughs) She's so down bad for this boy. She wants to jump his boat so bad. I want to know what the Imagine Dragon song of 1950 is. (laughs) What is the equivalent for when they finally get it on? Please throw her up on a counter, you crown-wearing weirdo. I want it to be hot and steamy. Are you Googling what's the Imagine Dragon song of 1950? No, I'm just trying to figure out which Buddy Holly song in particular. (laughs) Betty is talking to Archie, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she's like, wait. You guys didn't fuck and you're getting married? <laughs> this is in, in at school near the lockers. So she did talk about you didn't go all the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, no, but she's in trouble. Like, she needs help. And maybe this will help me figure out my purpose in life. Yeah. And he's still like the eternal, like a uh, uh, beaming sunshine optimist. Talking about how, you know, love grows over time. <laughs> Dr. Werther's showed us a graph. It starts when you're 17. <laughs> love goes up and peaks at age 21. We're fine. We have so much love growth time. Uh, and she's like, well, you're really sweet, Archie, but marriage is forever. So, like, do you really want to do this? Like, just just think about it. Um, so that evening, Archie and Cheryl have sat down with Mr. Blossom. And they're going to talk about what's next. And they have their own plans, but Clifford Blossom has even greater and grander plans. He knows, he tells them that they're both going to finish high school while Archie begins part-time working for uh, uh, one of his companies. And Archie's like, "Ah, uh, uh," and he is silenced. Uh, Cheryl starts to bring up maybe college, but they are shut down. No, no, no. That's when Archie is going to go full-time. But Cheryl, Cheryl is going to learn how to run the, uh, the household of Thornhill itself because they're going to be living there and not in a place of their own and certainly not that hovel, the Andrews home. Yeah, this ain't really go over well. No, 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 no. And they're getting more and more uncomfortable and feeling more and more trapped. Yeah. And so much for saying nice things about uh, uh, Fred calling his his home a hovel. Meanwhile, over at the uh, dark room, uh, Fangs is all fancied up. 
Oh yeah, he's a, he a preppy fangs. He he got a tie, he got a sweater, and he's like, "Well, that went horrible." They threw a conniption. He says the word conniption. He is forbade from seeing Midge again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Tony's like, "Well, she's rich and white, and they love her." So like, <laughs> three strikes against her. You suck. They never let her go out with you. But he's like, "It's okay. It's okay though, because here's what we're gonna do." We got four months until she shows, so we're going to make you famous. <laughs> and then you're going to go propose to her again, and they're going to agree because you're famous. Even though, like, no, he's going to be like a rocker, and that's going to make them be like, no, you can't go to that life. But he'll be a wealthy rocker who can provide for her. This is a very lofty goal, Tony. <laughs> yes, it is. On short, short notice. I am not so sure about your plan. <laughs> this might not be great. Also, have we considered the alternative of not baby or marriage? Tony, Tony, our grand problem solver, never asks them if they want this baby. No. She only asks them if they want each other. Those yeah. are different questions. Those are very different things. And like, maybe they do want the baby and they've... they want their family together, but they've never been asked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem. If anybody, if anybody in this town is going to bring up other alternatives, is going to bring up terminating a pregnancy, it's Tony Topaz, keeper of all wisdom. Come on. Jughead comes home to the train car and finds that Veronica has Daddy Warbucks the place out. This, this is not the, the train car turned, you know, teenage apartment. This is the luxury train car from Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes. Which uh, she, is still several years away. They are telling the future. And apparently in the past couple hours, she called up her set decorating friends in L.A. <laughs> and was able to get this place constructed. Air travel. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're living in the future. But Hot Dog is back and he is having a great time on that uh-huh. big fancy bed. Yes, it looks so squishy. Uh, Veronica's like, but you know, like, you're welcome. Like, you and Hot Dog are welcome at the Penbrooke, like, anytime, Jughead. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Especially after curfew. <laughs> anytime Smithers has the day off, prime visiting hours. Yeah. And he's like, oh, thanks, but, like, we're creatures of habit. We're, like, good here. And she's like, okay, I will walk myself home now. (laughs) No, okay. There is, like, when they are connecting, it's so fun to see them connect. We talked about this so much last week. But when they're not... It's very funny. <laughs> like, she's doing all these grand gestures, and he's not a grand gestures guy. He's a talk about movies he likes guy. <laughs> Betty comes home, and Alice is like, do you want to explain this sex book to me? <laughs> I don't know, Mom. Can't you read? And she's like, you should not be reading this filth, obviously. And so, like, where did you find it? And, like, why do you have this? And you're too young to be reading this. It's not about the sex. It's about the graphs. It's about the tables. All these numbers will melt a young lady's brain. It's not like it's fan fiction smut or something. (laughs) That I would understand. That is appropriate for young women. They make enough of the stuff. So, uh, Ethel's like, oh... That's mine. She found that at my house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a big fight about the book. 
And it ends with Betty snatching it out of her mother's hand and saying she's not done reading it. Because the first five times wasn't enough. (laughs) I think she's memorized this by now. She wants to copy out a few of those diagrams. She's leaving a a new copy in the the drawer of every hotel room like a Bible. (laughs) Everyone needs this book. Oh my god, I now have an idea. I want to, like, do that. (laughs) I go to a hotel just to read, like, Guide to Getting It On. Ooh, but you put, like, a Bible cover on it Mm. so they don't remove it. But then Mm -hmm. someone, like, opens it and they get a little education. And then you take your X-Acto knife and you hollow out the pages and you just put in, like, a little bottle of lube. And a condom. (laughs) Well, of course. Just in case. Of course. Just in case. So, uh... So next door, Archie is reading a postcard. He's reading a postcard from his father from California on uh, some manner of travel, maybe when he was shipping out on, on the way out, out east. Yeah, he was. it was postmarked from Barstow. Barstow, California. So I like to think that Mr. Fred Andrews was meeting um, Grandpa Brian O'Connor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brian, yeah. Brian the First. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is what I like to think. Uh, so it, it's a nice little postcard talking about how he, he wishes Archie could, could come out and uh, be there with him in you know the the sunny ranch lands and maybe one day they'll they'll drive Route 66 together. Yeah, it's very nice. And we see incontrovertible evidence that the the universe in which Riverdale takes place is not our own. The zip code is six digits. What the fuck? <laughs> That's not how it works. That's not how it works. But, but, if you take just the first five digits, you get the zip code for New Rochelle, New York, right near Yonkers, which is the farthest south Riverdale has gotten so far. It keeps migrating south. It keeps moving! (laughs) Why do they keep moving it? It's very annoying. I feel like I need a little, like, push-pin map (laughs) to, like, keep track of where it is. By the way, zip codes were introduced in uh, July of 1963. Oh my god! They need to do the historical research. Right? Right? It's not that hard. The Tingler isn't coming out for another four years. But... Is the timeline messed up because it's not just them who knows, but other people mm, sense the future and so it's messing knows. up and stuff's coming earlier? Private Andrews is, is it you know, at the training base writing this and someone looks over his shoulder and is like, hey, Fred, what are those funny numbers you put on the end of the, the address? And he's like, I don't know. But it seems right. <laughs> and anyhow, this is intercut with Cheryl looking at her own postcard from Niagara Falls. Yeah, uh, advertising its its place as, you know, the home of honeymoons. I mean, it's a cool place. Like, I I guess. It is a traditional it honeymoon is. destination. It is. It's or wh- it was. It's where Clark and Lois went in Superman 2. And many other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there weren't a lot of other people honeymooning in Superman 2. So, but then uh, Archie goes to Cheryl and he's like, I, I can't go through with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after that talk with your dad. Like, I, I can't do it. And she's like, I understand. I asked too much of you. It's okay, like, Archie. My family sucks ass. I know. I know. <laughs> just forget it all. And he's like, no, like, I got a plan, though. I can't drag you down to hell with me, Archie. I'm sorry. No, I'm not saying I don't want to marry you. Like, what if we elope? Mm-hmm. That's his plan B. Let's- what if we elope and go out west and open a restaurant in Santa Fe? 
let's just get married on our terms. Or, and, like, I could get a job on a ranch out there, or I could be a folk singer. And she's like, a folk singer? Like, what the fuck's that? Cher- Cheryl's not so sure, but, but Cheryl, I have to remind you, just hanging out on a ranch out west is where all the lesbians are. Yes. If the, the if the dime store literature is to be believed. <laughs> uh, so they agree to this, and Tony also overhears it and seems very concerned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Betty goes to Kevin, and she's like, Hey, I read more of the sex book, specifically chapter 20, which is about men like you. Uh, and it's sweet. She's... Talks to him, like, you know, I think it's very brave. I think you're very brave for, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, acting on your feelings. And she's like, you know, I want to give you your pin back. Maybe you want to give it to Clay. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, it's not mine. It's your mom's. And she's like, what the fuck? You went to my mom about us? And he's like, no, no, no. Your your mom made me come to her. (laughs) She's very willful that way. And and she thought this would, like, curb your urges. (laughs) How dare my mother curb my urges? They're my urges. And meanwhile, Tony goes to Cheryl and she's like, hey, you can't outrun yourself. Going out west, eloping, it's not going to solve your problems. And once again, Cheryl's like, stop telling me who I am. I I only know that. And she's like, get off my back. But I was like you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's like. So tell me, like, do you love Archie? And she's like, Archie's a very good person, and he's not <laughs> like my family. That's enough. I mean, yeah. And she's like, Cheryl, you're gonna have to face this. But again, moving across the country to to live with someone as a second date? Very lesbian. <laughs> the most lesbian thing Cheryl has ever done in in her teenage life. Betty and Alice are at home, and mm-hmm. she's like, hey, mom, where the fuck's Ethel? <laughs> and she's like, oh, she's gone. I called Janet at social services, and uh, we thought it was best to send her to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. I fucking knew it! I fucking knew it! We were getting the sisters! <laughs> uh, and Betty's like, what? They experiment on people. And Alice is like, oh, no, that's just a rumor. It's fine. <laughs> they allegedly experiment on people. That's still not great. <laughs> and and so this becomes a big fight as they, they move on to Betty uh, asking about her, her meddlesome plans to settle those for- aforementioned urges. And it's like, is that what you told Kevin when you told him to pin me? Ah, to settle my urges down. And, you know, she's like, what are you so scared of? And and Alice is, of course, like, I'm trying to protect you. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. why I burned the book. That's why I'm doing this stuff. See, now this, again, season one vibes, uh, an actual book burning from Alice Cooper. Like, yep. And she does call it your sex book. Your sex book. Thank you, Alice. Let's call it what it is. The sex book. The sex hole. (laughs) Please don't burn your sex hole. (laughs) We're going to have to finally get Dr. Curdle Jr. in here for a very interesting cause of death. Oh, man. During this season, do we get the origins of the sex hole? Oh, Oh, like because so- the Russians someone, were building it. Someone digging it for a, a fallout shelter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. Oh, I want the origins of the sex and it, hole. And it was in Dilton's family. Yeah. And Dilton's not dead anymore. No. Yes. Yeah. We've even met his dad. He's the science teacher. And, and you know it's a good sex hole because he's the <laughs> science teacher, so he knows how to build a good sex hole to make sure there's no radiation. Yeah, you, you put uh, your pee in a frog to see if it works. <laughs> Uh, so Archie is waiting at the bus stop for Cheryl. Mm -hmm. She pulls up in her convertible and he's like, wait, I thought we were going on the bus or are we driving out west in your car? She's dressed like Betty Davis. I'm sure he was hoping for Betty Page. And she's like, Archie, I can't do it. This, you know, was a beautiful dream, but that's all it is. You've been amazing, but I have to face my life. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, and she's like, you know what? Someday you're going to make a girl very happy. And maybe she lives right next door to you and you should write her a poem. <laughs> yeah, Archie still doesn't get it. And she's like, hey, write a poem for Betty. Just do it. Just, just trust me. Just do it. Oh, my God. My God, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Tony is reading in the dark room and mm -hmm. Cheryl comes in and obviously didn't go. And I don't know what to do now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... And so now it is Tony's job to solve a third problem for a third person this week. She's like, hey, you should read this book called The Cost of Pepper. The Cost of Pepper is, of course, not a real book, but it is uh, meant to be a reference to The Price of Salt, a classic of lesbian <laughs> literature. Play it, on names. It, it is like an, an exploitation pulp novel of the kind that was very popular at the time. But it was the first where, where the, the uh, lady lovers had a happy ending. Neither of them die tragically for once. Oh, dang. What's the play and movie you like about the teachers? The Children's Hour. It's, it's sort of like The Children's Hour, but for books. And they end up happy and not yeah. tragically sad and awful. Yeah, yeah. Children's Hour is amazing, though. Mm -hmm. People should read it and see it. Groundbreaking for the time. So Archie is taking Cheryl's advice and writing Betty a poem. Uh, and as he's writing, he's looking across the window at Betty, who's mm -hmm. probably writing in her diary. And his poem reads, The morning light washes over her window. As she pulls back her curtain, her blonde hair sparkles like a thousand sunbeams. I want our love. That last line is approximate. It was not in focus uh, compared to the rest of it. Yeah. Um, it's I something something love. I know that for sure. I guessed I want our love as well, but a little hard to tell. Archie just found out poems don't have to rhyme and he is running with He's it. He's like, dang. Uh, so he heads downstairs and mm -hmm. uh, there's a suitcase there and it is Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank 1955 looks even more like a killer for hire than Uncle Frank 2022. A killer for hire that's like a sea captain. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, your mom called. Caught me up. Sounds like I need to knock some heads, starting with yours. Oh no, he'll do it too. Watch out. He's gonna fucking kill you, Archie. Uh, meanwhile, Jughead is over at Veronica's, very upset because Ethel is gone to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, and he feels like he's failed her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Veronica's like, you didn't. Um, 
you know, you fought hard to save her. It's like all you could do. And she she grabs his hand comfortingly. And he is so confused. Like, what what is the manner of this gesture? What is this feeling? Is this skin I feel? I've never... <laughs> and Veronica gives him a good kiss. And he's like, wowie. He literally says wowie. And then... And then he goes back in for more. And then, oh, wowie, do they. Oh, my. So oblivious, you have to actually kiss the boy. And then he's like, I like the kissing. This makes so much sense now. Yeah, okay, okay. If we were in the future, this is when the Imagine Dragon song would start and we would get a sex scene. Mm -hmm. But we are not, so we just get some good make out. (laughs) And I didn't know that I was down for Jughead and Veronica, but you know what? I am. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. It's really good. Veronica has, in a sense, I think, taken Jughead as a special little guy. He's a bit of a (laughs) fixer-upper. He needs to be brought out into public. He needs to... to, I don't want to say something as reductive as out of his shell, but I think 1955 Jughead and season one Jughead are both very tied to their self-perception as outsiders and just like, no, 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 no. Don't don't worry about yourself so much. Just live life. It's fine. Yes. And that's what it is. So I don't like the term of him being a fixer-upper because that sounds like she wants him to change. No. She doesn't want him to change who he is. Just like... Just like realizing... No, you're cool. All, you're all fine. Of, all of these things in life are also available to you. I would like to do them with you. I would very much like to do them with you. Uh, uh, I, I have this copy of a book. One star means maybe. Three stars means please, please, please. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. That's it. That is it for chapter 121, Love and Marriage. So, darling, what did you think? I enjoyed it. Well, obviously, like I like the Veronica Jughead storyline. Mm-hmm, I am enjoying mm-hmm. it very much. One thing that's really interesting mm-hmm. with this season is, like, the differences of characters, and it's really refreshing, and, like, okay, their relationship, but then also, like, Cheryl is not this, like, bitchy firestorm to be stopped kind of thing. Yeah, Like, yeah. you, they're really embracing, like, the Cheryl that we would only see sometimes, Cheryl in particular, and a number of other characters beside, I think Tony as well, yeah. really are in this season, like what you would imagine they would have been in high school if they knew where they were going to be in adulthood, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're backfilling, they're, they're retconning season one. Yeah. <laughs> or two in Tony's case. But yeah, Tony is the, the stalwart, reliable problem solver that she became. Now she is as a teen. And Cheryl is like the tragic abuse of uh, uh, the, the tragic victim of family repression that she was later. Now back in high school years. Yeah. It's interesting, like seeing these these differences. Mm-hmm. D- um, differences that come from similarities. Yes. <laughs> what do you think? It, it's a real change of pace. And I, I guess I kind of mean that literally from uh, uh, the last few seasons, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the most season one-y things about it is there was a mysterious death. Yeah. Uh, I guess sort of a twofer. But that is just putzing around in the background as a B-plot. But what we really care about is much more relatable teenage things. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jughead and Veronica's blossoming thing feels very much like, yeah, season one uh, uh, Bughead and the baby shower for Polly. Yeah. Right? Well, and it's really nice to go back to, like, kind of that simplicity. And not to say, like, some of this shit is... Like, we're still solving, trying to solve murders. We're still, like, these crazy, like, hidden stories and personal things. But there's a simplicity to it. Simplicity to relationships. And we're mm-hmm. actually, like... Granted, everyone's kind of, like, paired up. But it doesn't feel so, like, separated mm-hmm. as storylines felt before right right because they're all in high school they're all like crossing (laughs) paths with each other and And there's still enough like this person's interacting with this person and that person's then interacting with this one that like eventually right they're, they're talking to more than just one person and the the craziness the wild stuff comes from just the setting the sense that the past is a different country yeah right like the intended audience the teen choice award voter May not be as red on uh, what, you know, the price of salt is. Yeah. (laughs) And seeing that uh, uh, as a way of helping someone explain to someone who they are because you can't say these things out loud is... I I wonder how this is landing with them, you know? Mm -hmm. I I wonder what that's like. Uh, season seven of Riverdale does not have Riverdale in it. You know, they they can't turn on the TV. The, the things in their life are not in Veronica's parents' show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. But hey, Price of Salt, or excuse me, The Cost of Pepper, was published in 53. That one's real. That that Oh, is a, they finally got one thing right. They get a lot of these, like two thirds of these things they, they get right. Some are just so off. It's weird. The, they don't expect people to research it like us. Yeah, to, I get to, it. To I look get up it. when zip codes were introduced. Yeah. But like, I appreciate when people think about people like me who's like, I'm gonna check on that. Zip codes were a few months old when Kennedy was shot. Like, <laughs> th- think sometimes things are more recent than you think. Yeah. So, darling, have you got any predictions? <sighs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What's your prediction? I predict Pussycat Cameo. <gasps> Do we finally get Sweepy? As uh, uh, Fangs has to, like, let's say, be inspired by oh. black musicians <laughs> in order to develop his rock and roll sound. Oh, fuck. Goddamn. A plot element in the Archie 1955 comic miniseries. Yeah. He does get ta- invited to a black and tan club on the other, literally the other side of the tracks. Oh, day. <laughs> Probably going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is more of a conversation for a prediction. Sure. So I think that the Sisters of Quiet Mercy mm. are definitely doing experiments. Yes, that, that what, is a big dangling uh, what a thing. What experiments do we think they are doing? Is it electroshock therapy? Some more of that, because we know they like that. Um, are they, I don't know, putting frog pee in girls? Like, <laughs> I, I can't keep frog pee out of girls. <laughs> I mean, it's a problem. So what what experiment are we predicting is happening here? What if they're doing the Stanford Prison Experiment 15 years early? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Like something like that, like really 
deeply unethical psychological experiments. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something. <laughs> you know, we could revisit aliens. We this could have something to do with aliens. <laughs> that was like a storyline that was going to happen and didn't. And like, we could go back to it. It could you be something know. about you making them know. crazy enough that they think that they're aliens. Oh, yes. What if this is how we get Edgar back? Mm. What if he's like a doctor at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy? (laughs) And what the experiments are is organ harvesting. (laughs) Uh, Here's something I had in my notes, but we skipped over in the relevant scene. Yeah. When I think about how invested Alice is in in making Betty and Kevin's romantic relationship work, is Betty in a half-reverse fun home situation? Uh. Is Alice, Alice and or Hal, a closeted gay person living in a straight relationship? Yes. There was actually a... Com- I'm going with yes because there was a comment made in a different scene or a different episode mm-hmm. that implied something about how, like, your father and I, like, eventually right, grew to right. like each other. About the, the pinning. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm going to go with, yeah, that is certain. Yeah, uh, it, it really, really does fit. Like, th- this is your duty to, like, uh, take hold of the- these wayward men and keep them on the straight and narrow. And I'm going to go with it being hell because I think also for Alice, it would be a sense of you have to overcome this too, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I did. So I'm not alone in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You should be just as unhappy as I am. <laughs> um, do we think Dr. Werther's is like feeding the pipeline into the Sisters of Quiet Mercy as well? Oh, just like shuffling them kids to do these experiments on? Yes. Okay. Do you think he actually is the one doing the experiments? I, if they are deeply unethical psychological, psychological experiments, yes. Yeah. If they're medical experiments, then I, I don't know. I don't know if he's got that kind of doctor. Yeah. But hey, you know, it, sometimes it just takes a really engaged uh, amateur to, to make a breakthrough. I will say we did have a missed opportunity in this episode mm-hmm. to have Jughead living in the closet under the stairs. <laughs> We've got enough people in the closet. We've got enough. we got to like, get him out of there. His home was wrecked. He was going to sleep over at Pops. What if that would have been him going to the closet and be- and Veronica being like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, oh, I can't go home. My home's trashed. And then she's like, hey, you should come on over. I have so much Egyptian cotton. I can do things to you on that Egyptian cotton. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about the great pharaohs. What else would you do on Egyptian cotton? Benny has the sex book. <laughs> Um, no, that's paper. It's totally different. Yeah, that's actually how the conversation would go. Because it would take a while to get there. Uh, do you think hot dogs are just going to like stare at them while they make out? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope the next time we see Jughead and uh, uh, Hot Dog lounging together, they are not alone. <laughs> and comic books are not what is absorbing his attention. <laughs> But Hot Dog's just happy to be involved. <laughs> I don't know if involved is the word. Present? Present. <laughs> Not cast out. Just ignore him. Just ignore him. Turn the lights out. He'll calm down. Like, Veronica's going to be like, are you sure we can't like do this back at my place where there's like doors and other rooms? He'll get lonely. <laughs> so, darling, it is time to talk 
about next week. Next week is chapter 122, Tales in a Jugular Vein. This is named for a book. Oh. This is named for a horror novel uh, about a writer who commits murders to then write about them because he's a mystery novelist. Mm. Ah. Mm. And what we know is that Jughead has got a tale to tell Veronica. And, uh... Don't you love it when they have a truth to tell? Not that type of tale. I think he's going to tell some stories. And we are going to see these stories acted out. Because we see uh, uh, Cheryl... Uh, and Archie making out and like all like what we're going to do is better in the darkness. And Archie uh, uh, being seductively welcomed by Betty and Veronica surrounded by candles. Yeah. And he reacts to the promise of a threesome with cartoon sound effects. And then we're going to see Betty foaming at the mouth with a giant like three foot high beehive uh, hairdo. She- Cheryl is stalking Archie by night and uh, it, it begins and ends, yes, with Jughead sitting at a typewriter with Veronica across from him. And so uh, I think you're right that this is going to be kind of a silly anthology episode. Yes, acting out as stories. Somehow probably some like weird cross between like what's actually going on there, but then also like intertwined with his stories. And I wonder, I wonder if these stories are going to be a little bit of like a, a lighthearted self-parody for the farewell season. Because, yeah, uh, Betty's foaming seizure looks kind of season three to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we could be doing a little uh, victory lap sort of thing with that. Yeah. This is the network that brought us Supernatural, after all. They love that shit. And also, like, the whole, like, Betty and Veronica, like, seductively welcoming Archie. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. that's just, you know, a parody of all the comics of, like, (laughs) no, we'll, we'll fight for you. It's fine. So it looks like it's going to be an interesting episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the novelist of Tales in a Jugular Vein is is perhaps best known for writing Psycho. Oh. Yeah. Oh. This show does, does love its Hitchcock almost as much as it loves its Stephen King and Capote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited. And if you're excited, you should just come back next week and listen to us talk about it. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know what you can do? What can you do? You can tell a friend. You can tell a friend. You can leave us a rating and a review. You can leave us a rating and a review as long as they're super nice. Because you know what happens when it's not super nice? I say, what the fuck? She shouts at me. (laughs) She shouts at you mostly, but I'm the one in the room for it. I better be five stars. It's a lot of stress on me. I can't take it. (laughs) Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at sex underscore Archie. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't guest on anything that went live this week, so we're going to skip that part. It, it was starting to become a tradition. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie, I've got midges pee in a cup. <laughs> <laughs>